Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 89 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined by Allie. Hello. Don't <laughs> trust strangers in the woods. <laughs> they may be headless. Vera? I mean, yeah, this, this movie had a lot of what is my jam. So, uh, yeah, short review. It's good, but, but a little weird. <laughs> and Tristan? I mean, honestly... They should have kept closer to the 900-year-old poem because, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I unironically kind of would have liked that for some parts, but we'll get into it. Yeah. Well, wow. So, Weeb. Yeah. Well, in case you don't know what we're talking about, because you've now heard some of the the chatter, and you've also seen the title of this, if you've clicked on it, here, we are going to be talking about The Green Knight, the... Um, Latest movie from A24 and director David, is it Lowry? Lowry? I believe it's Lowry. Lowry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, how have you all been doing? It's been Tired, a couple weeks. but good. Uh, my AC is broken. I am, I am in taking this as a beautiful, valuable break into packing up much of my apartment to... Uh, to, sh to to shunt it off to family lands so my girlfriend can move her apartment into our house and we can uh, we can start living together so uh, and by house I mean the one bedroom apartment with no basement which literally my kingdom for a basement if I could actually use a basement that's on this property I would be in heaven it's just like okay it's time for me to do what I like to do in this situation to put stuff in boxes put it in the basement Rest. <laughs> you are you are performing the apartment fusion. Exactly. We are performing the apartment fusion. Ha! Um, yeah. Oh, I wish it was that fun. But it'll be good. It's not exactly an apartment. It's more of like an apartment fusion. Uh... <laughs> Strong. Uh, so what kind of cuisine are we going for? It, it's kind of a fusion. Strong. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, I, we don't. I know we have a. We have a. Ceiling we're up against tonight, but um, well, is there anything really anybody quick. wants to get off their chest? Oh, go ahead. Tristan. So really quick. Hey, Allie, I know what will cheer you up. Mm-hmm. Only a few more days until No More Heroes 3. Yay! Yay! There's another No More Heroes game coming out? Have, mm -hmm. Farrah, have, have, have we not talked about this with you? I, I, I'm vaguely remembering it, but... Uh, let us remember that, like, in addition to not having a Nintendo system, the only experience I have with any of the No More Heroes games was seeing you play No More Heroes in the G2 Lounge. Um, similarly with my experience with Okami, to be perfectly honest. Like, so um, uh, there are there are some touchstones for you and Allie and Dan, I would imagine, that uh, I do not have the same emotional attachment to. But uh, oh my, oh I thought God. that he basically said everything he wanted to say in No More Heroes 1 and 2. Uh, he had a lot of fucking shit to say in Travis Strikes Back, and it was fucking yeah. good. Oh, there was another one before three? Yeah. Oh, sort wow. It, it's a... Travis Strikes Back is kind of a weird spin-off game, um, <laughs> where Suda51 gets to poke fun at the video game industry and make a lot of meta commentary. Nice. It's, it, it's pretty good, actually. Um... Also, it's totally canon. Um, yeah, of so, course it is. Of course it is. Um, Why is that? The last 
the last big piece of news I sh- had to hear about No More Heroes 3 was the reveal that, hey, Suda51 put a fuck racism shirt in it. Yeah, what? great. What? Yeah. I guess so it would make Travis sense. you have Travis Touchdown running around wearing a, with a t-shirt that says fuck racism. I'm like... Suda I love Suda51, but let's go, boys. Yeah. Suda51 is the insane genius we deserve and need. That's good. Um... That's uh no, I, I'm excited for y'all, and I, I look forward to uh to a spoiler cast on it. I think it should yeah, be I think, much fun. I think, Ali, I think we need to get Barra uh playing No More Heroes on Twitch or something. Yes, but we need to get going on this movie. Yes, I want to talk, talk about, about this movie. <laughs> Let's fucking go! And I don't have time to dilly dally, which I love. All right. So for those of you who are unaware, this is the spoiler cast. We're going to be spoiling this movie. We're going to be spoiling this movie based on a 900-year-old poem. Spoilers for a poem that's 900 years 900 old. 900 years old. Yeah, the the window of being <laughs> the window of being upset about spoilers for this passed about 450 years ago. Although from what I've heard, there are a lot of differences from just from the sm- short chatter we've already had. There so. are there are a bunch of differences. Um one thing to bear in mind is a lot of people have brought up that they may be planning to do a second movie. Ah, uh, oh, interesting. That um, I I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, that feels weird. I don't like that. Right. Uh, there is also. Uh, so for anyone who has read the original poem, such as yours truly, uh, there, stuff makes a lot more sense if you've read the original poem. I mean, it makes sense. The guy goes yeah. on a journey, has a weird sex with someone who may or may not be his mom, gets kissed by a guy, hangs out with some giants, and dies. <laughs> oh, that's simple. It's that I, easy. I, I, it's that I, fucking I, simple. I don't think he dies, though. Well, that, so, that's the beauty of it. So, okay. Do we want to just really quick talk about the ending, or do we want to... Uh, well, let's 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 just quickly set the stage, like really okay. quick, and just yeah. talk about our resume for this. So, like for example, for me, like this is my first exposure to this story, is mm-hmm. through this movie, um, and I also saw it earlier today, so I'm pretty fresh off seeing it myself. Which I, so. which I, which I appreciate. Yep. I uh, so I read the original, I read the original poem back in high school. Um, I've seen the movie about one and a half times now. Um, How do you see it one and a half times? Do you leave partway my, through my the folks, movie? So my folks are actually watching it right now. Oh, fun! <laughs> oh, fun! <laughs> All right, it's on video on demand as we speak on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, perfect timing for this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, and also as someone who is named after an Arthurian knight <laughs> and a huge dork. I've also read a lot of Arthurian lore in my time. It's kind of a mess because it's basically all fan fiction. <laughs> Allie, what's your uh, resume with all this? Uh, this story in particular, very little. I have like a very rudimentary, you know, elementary to middle school knowledge of Arthurian legends and stuff, but I knew like the basic gist of the story. Uh, I mostly came in for Dev Patel and the director and just, I have a friend who's a, probably 
the biggest movie buff I know whose opinion I really value. And when he said that I needed to see this movie, I was like, I believe it. Gonna go see me this movie. Uh-huh. Wait, do I know this friend too? No. Oh, darn. And this is, I gotta say, it is really refreshing to have a really nice, like, art film again. Yes. Thank oh. you, Tristan. That's like my biggest takeaway from it is like, I, I'm all about just people being allowed to make really fucking weird ass movies that don't need, you know, five million fucking YouTube explanations of what really happened. I'm looking at everybody and their mm-hmm. fucking stupid annihilation videos. Ugh. God. I will say like, people this. make weird things. This movie was a lot better than Annihilation. Full stop. Wow, fuck you. <laughs> I've never seen Annihilation. I meant to way back, but I've never actually seen Vera, it. Vera, I love you, but also fuck you. <laughs> I mean, no. Uh, it's not. That's not appropriate. And also, uh, no. Uh, I, in any case, we're going to fight about Annihilation in a future cast. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I vastly prefer the original book than the movie, but that's... I like them both. They're both very different. Anywho, let's go. Yeah. So, uh, my stu- yeah. my resume is, I know the basic story. I've read summaries. I think I may have, there may have been a version of it that I read in, like, uh, King Arthur's, like, you know, like, you know, prose adaptations of, of like, you know, collected stories. Yeah, I, I, but, um, but I'm definitely familiar through, like, you know, Wikipedia and such from it. It's a cool story, so I was excited to see, um, uh, I was excited to see this, and, uh, I was I was not disappointed. I will say that like I was a little frustrated the first time when I saw the ending for the first time, um, and I also missed the extra credit scene, which I think definitely it sounds oh. like adds things mm-hmm. to it. Whoops. But yeah, no, I had no idea there was an extra credit scene. But that being yeah. said, the more I've thought on the movie and that ending, the more and also the, the more I like it. Like uh, mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, I think that it's yeah. I, I think that there is a lot this movie is uh, a lot this movie is saying, and I think that uh, if if the original poem was like a morality tale, the original poem was a morality tale for the medi- for for medieval times. And I think that that story and that ending and that poem has things that you certainly good lessons that you can learn now. But I feel that what was the kind of a cool and bold thing is that I think they kept a lot of the spirit of, of an Arthurian morality tale while at the same time doing a lesson that's not necessarily modern, but I think hits harder, especially the way it worked with that ending and hits very effectively. And again, it took a bit of time because I'm like, wait a second, I want, I want like the actual ending but it's like, well, you know what? It's basically there if you read into it, and the stuff that happens before that is really cool, and I think really crucial in terms of uh, in terms of growth. Um, anyways, we're talking around stuff. Uh, let's let's go back to it. Sorry, yeah. guys. Uh, first of all, I also just want to say this movie's gorgeous. God, it's pretty. It's so pretty. The the cinematography, the framing. Thank uh, you. The, bleak, the bleakness of the landscape, because it's it's winter. Yeah. So, so you, like you leave Camelot, and like you it, you have these long shots of like Gawain on horseback, like leaving over these like just empty fields in the middle of winter. I'm glad you said that, Tristan, because 
like words out of my mouth. That's and I'm not a film major or a film buff by any means. But that was like my favorite part of the whole movie oh, was the cinema was the cinematography. Like oh, God, I don't remember the last so time I've said, "Oh, well, look at that cinematography!" It's just I mean, well, the thing that well, and then you really get cool and then he gets it. into well, then he gets into the forest. Yeah, I was right? about to and say. Then he, he gets, gets to the forest where everything's beautiful and green, and it's like green. shit. The closer and, and other, closer and he not, gets to the place where he has to accept his death, the mm-hmm. more beautiful and vibrant the world becomes. Yeah. Just, oh yeah, fuck. It, gets, it gets more beautiful as he approaches his destiny. Also, just the simple choice to give him an orange cloak. Yeah. Like, is... Oh, God. Because it, it it so perfectly frames him in so many shots where, you know, a lot of stuff, especially early on, before you get to the woods, he would kind of blend in almost to a whole bunch yeah. of those, like, just blank, blank shots. But he's got that bright orange coat that sort of, like, draws your eye to him. Which also <laughs> makes it is wonderfully thematic because this is what is going to set him apart from everyone else is this journey, which is what so so it's him setting out and his journey and his being got like girded for this journey is setting him apart from the area around him, just as his journey is setting him apart from all the other knights. In Camelot, like oh, oh, so good. Also, the very first sequence, um, like so, so it starts with this kind of weird shot of like the ha- like the house on fire. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yep. Yeah, that you know that fucking I remember, slow I remember like it was crawl into that. That yeah. fucked with my head. Yeah, that, that really like, fucked with my head. It, it felt like there was more going on there, but once that sort of scene is done and it starts pulling back into the window and the music starts, the music and the dripping of water, like the sound of the water hitting the stone, is like perfectly synced up to have like to like complement each other. Oh, it's so good. There's so much craftsmanship in this. Yeah, I think the like I said, I think for me the style of the movie was my favorite part. The use of color, like you said, Tristan. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there are times where, you know, it'll you'll get a flash of red, or they'll have like a green like hue over the whites, or it'll be there's a time where he's getting close to the the green chapel and it's like all yellow. Oh um, yeah. It's a lot of really and, cool and the cinematography itself like again not being a film buff like just appreciating it as a as a watcher uh, i thought was awesome and and color is actually a really big part of this movie mm-hmm. so remember when he's at the manor and he's talking to to the lady of the manor and she has that whole monologue about green that's my favorite about how the, oh, yes. about how the green invades it's it goes so much more not only is the green invading his world as he's approaching his death you know, and death, decay, and the green taking over. But! But! At the start of the film, when we see when we see Arthur, there's and we see Arthur's crown, there's a small patch of patina on Arthur's crown. A small patch of green patina on Arthur's crown. As Arthur is getting old, and his reign is coming to an end. 
But in the flash forward or the, or the vision mm-hmm. that Gawain has at the Green Chapel, when Gawain gets the crown, there's a much more ver- patina on the crown. More of the green has infested Camelot. More of the decay has taken over, which is what we then see in his vision. Ah! That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh, the I speech, love this stuff. The speech about green. That was my favorite scene. Oh, it's so good. God, All I right. love getting pretentious and artsy about movies. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Allie, it's so Ber- sad. <laughs> no, I just like. I I mean I have nothing super constructing good to say. My only big thing is like I really love this visual imagery that's in that scene where he's on the throne and everything's gone to shit and yeah. he's like pulling the belt out mm-hmm. from his like robe or whatever and just like I didn't even think about it until this friend of mine I mentioned my friend Alex was like there's a lot in this movie that's going on that's really reminiscent of the fountain and I would be mm-hmm. really I would not be surprised if everybody involved or at least like you know the director and writers were like yeah, we were really inspired by The Fountain. Oh, yeah. Because that is also a movie that just deals with the heaviness and the ever-looming presence of death and how it's just something you need to contend with and deal with and that that is okay and healthy and normal to do. And just, oh God. I, it makes me really want to rewatch The Fountain. Like, I want to rewatch this movie and what, rewatch The Fountain and look at the similarities because I also, like, didn't see The Fountain in a good context so I feel like I didn't get to appreciate it enough. So uh, I'm going to say something about the fountain, which is that I've actually a very, uh, I kind of think a bit of an interesting perspective on that. Like I have not seen the fountain. Um, I know a lot of people who love it, but I read the graphic novel adaptation that they did of the fountain. And that was oh. fucking gorgeous. Uh, it's a really good graphic novel, by the way, it's really, it, it, it hits hard. So, um, so, yeah, I've also never seen the fountain and, mm-hmm. I really, really should, because I, it's, I believe it's the same director that did Black Swan, which is like one yes. of my favorite movies. Yes. God, Black Swan is good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting so distracted by everything. No, no, it's, no it's great. It's good. It's it's what we do on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> I I think that something that I really appreciated about about this movie was is that um, was it is actually it was really after just like reading a little bit and then you know. Uh, like you know, looking at the original story, it's like because when I first saw it, I just felt that like the ending needed to be about five or ten seconds longer, um, and I still think it would have been fine or good, and that you know, but and not be ambiguous about whether he lives or dies at the end. Although I think the clues are definitely that he lives, but I was like, wait a second, it's not about ambiguity. There's like you know, it's very clear that he passes the test, right. and then he lives. That's the that's the that's that's the point that's the point of the original poem but a you know like especially when i heard about the post-credit scene where it seems like oh yeah the girl playing with the crown he's he's alive um but also i think the more significant thing and why i was a bit okay with what i'd like to a little more is it because i think the ambiguity really adds a ton to it i think that's more of just like a modern trick about like you know what, what do you think as opposed to like you know okay now the story is over is is that I didn't, hadn't really put ahead that, like, you know, Gawain, in the original, he keeps the sash on, and thus he gets, like, the nick on his neck, 
um, as, as, uh, as punishment for being dishonest about it. Mm-hmm. And what I think is very interesting was is that this version was like, okay, he keeps it on and then he gets to live on and he gets to be a king, but he betrays the woman he loves. He raises their son separate from her and then her son dies. His kingdom is lost. And then in the end, he takes off the sash and dies. It's just like that whole big flash forward was really cool because it was like, okay, this is the consequence of not uh of of not fulfilling mm-hmm. your uh, of not fulfilling your duty of shirking of not actually being brave of, of cheating and yeah. then in the end he does something that which is not in the original poem it's like he throws the sash away mm-hmm. oh yeah because i was gonna say that's like the biggest thing is in the original poem he's like yeah totally cool go ahead and then he lives and then he gets rewarded for cheating right also, and i think it right yeah so in the original, all right. So important context for the end of the movie. Uh, so in the original story, the Lord of the Manor he goes to is the Green Knight. Oh, that's the same here too. It's yeah. 100% uh, the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's not really explained in the film. So if you have seen the movie but haven't read the story, the Lord of the Manor is the Green Knight. Oh, but he, here's the interesting thing here is that like I'd forgotten that detail, but like. That at that very end where he says, "Well done, little knight." Now off with your head with like that little flourish. That sounded like Joel Edgerton, and at that yep. moment, yeah. I hadn't realized that was Joel Edgerton until that point. So I didn't even have a, like at least for me as a movie watcher, I'd forgotten that detail. It's like, oh, that's Joel right. Edgerton is the same person. Right. Um, so, but anyways, continue, Tris. So in the original story, what what saves him isn't the fact that he's cheating, but it, what saves him was his behavior as a guest uh, of the night. That oh, in the original story, I see. in the original story, he actually returns every gift he is given at the manor to the Lord of the Manor. Oh. So in the original... Except for the green is, girdle. He doesn't return the green girdle, which is why he gets the nick. Right. Because right. it's like, ah, you left one thing. But you're a good guy. So that that's sort of the... So the original really focuses on his obligations as a guest and the Green Knight's obligations as a host. Because uh, that is a... That was a kind of a big deal in a lot of legend, especially in the more... In uh, Celtic legend. And the responsibilities therein. Um, in the film, he is much more... Greedy about it, and like like in in the film, uh, that's a word for it. The knight, well, in in the film, the knight has to take the kiss gift, or the lord has to take the kiss gift from Gawain. Right. In the story, Gawain gives it freely. Right. Like like ev- in the original story, every like it's also a little less um, horny. horny. The original story. Yeah. Um, I mean, is it though? It could secretly be really horny. It could secretly be really horny. Uh, we're, we are <laughs> dealing... I mean, we are dealing with, you know, 900 years of translation and possible censorship. Um, but, but, like, in the original story, every affection that, that the lady of the manor shows Gawain, he in turn then shows back to the Lord. To the, to the Green Knight. Oh. 
And in the original story, that's kind of what saves him. Yes, he cheats because he keeps the girdle and gets the nick, so he gets nicked. Whereas in the film, what saves him is giving up the girdle. Ah, okay. Got it. So, so in the in the film, he makes in the film he, he fulfills that promise of giving up, you know, giving everything he has received. Right at the end, he's, he saves himself. So what I think is interesting about that as well, too, is is that um, this I think this is a this story this movie is a lot a lot more about failure than the original poem. Mm-hmm. Um, if I recall from again from summaries I've read that I need to actually read in the, in the poetry that you know Wayne doesn't fuck up continuously. If anything, like he does. It's almost kind of an inversion. Gawain basically just hits his marks until the end where he has an error and then he makes that error by keeping the girdle and then he feels bad. And then he's like, don't feel bad. You're still a good dude. And this one, Wayne fucks up over and over and over again. But it's at that last moment that he's like, you know what? I can't, I, I can't fuck up. I have to go and face my destiny and do this right. Because if I continue to live a life of shortcuts... And fucking, uh, if I continue to fuck up and live a life of shortcuts, buoyed by my privilege, I'm going to end up in a very bad place. Um, which that might be ring a bit too much into it, but like I feel like that that's the. I know a number of people have like seen that this is a big downer of a movie, but I actually think that that lesson's actually a lot more upbeat because like I think him throwing the statue was like, no, I am actually going to take responsibility for my actions in a way that you've seen him clearly not do throughout the film. Like, he's not mm, yeah. someone who is... And it's also, I think, even the more stronger, because it's not like he fucks up in egregious ways. Um, where, like, it's it, it's that, you know, it's just like, you know, like, yes, he gets overpowered uh, by the folks, and yes, he's like, you know, he's a drunk, but not a problematic one. Uh, you know, like, he has he has this girlfriend who he's stringing along but not entirely and he doesn't and he's not doesn't have immediate plans like it's like he's basically fucking up in very in very human ways and i would also argue fucking up in ways that people who do have a safety net and privilege and position always do where it's like he is not a malicious character but he's one who because i think he has the safety net of his life is able to just not live up to expectations of himself and others and i think that that epilogue is like that's the con this is the consequences of it like if you don't actually you know like try to be the best person you can be you're going to end up hurting people and potentially hurting an entire kingdom um which i don't like to me i think that's a really good lesson that it's just like you can't just keep skating by right. you have to face the fucking music uh again <laughs> No, I, I know that's a bit that. dramatic. I think that's but, uh, such a really cool read of it, Vera. Thank you. I agree. I think it is. I think it's the. In my, for me, it, that's the right read too. I mean, you articulated it much better than I could. So, but that's basically sort of what was going through my head. I'll just say what Vera said. It's also important. So, I don't remember if this was the case in the original story. Um, but one thing that the movie, the film, does make clear is that this is also a test. Set up by his mother. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Super weird. Morgan sets up this entire test. Like, and you have to wonder, is it, is it so that her legitimate son can gain some notoriety and take his rightful place in the court? Or is it to teach him a valuable lesson about, you know, not being an entitled shit? Or is it both? But do they make it clear that she wanted him to be the one that takes on the challenge at the, at the outset? Because I didn't get that sense from watching the movie. Maybe I missed something. That's That was my read of it, but I was like, I mean, who the fuck else would it have been right. at the same time? She does, she does yeah. also talk to him about, like, go yeah, there in true. my stead. Right. Like, make sure you go there. You're right. Because I'm not feeling up to it. Right. And then she's yeah. like, "Don't squander this opportunity." I right, think that's the right. key. Th- I think that is the yeah. the key line. There is, "Do not squander this opportunity." Um, yeah, yeah, fair and, enough. Yeah, so, so so no, but and again, and it's so that that's also another layer of it. Um, something I also wasn't necessarily wondering about too was um, that beginning in context. I haven't fully digested. It. I'd love to watch it a second time to see that. Is that where like he's sitting on the He's sitting on the throne, and there's that narration, and then his head is on fire. Um, it also makes you wonder about, you know, whether he's... It makes you wonder whether this is all him reminiscing about this as well, potentially. I'm, again, not actually sure, but it was that may have just been an artistic choice, but it was... Uh, that was cool. Um, well, and remember, something... and remember yeah, that the only part of him that's on fire is his head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also true. Uh, so, the, that, so, that's the, so that's the question: is is that opening scene? Is that him? Is that part of the flash forward? You know, showing that that his head is is forfeit. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of like ambiguity, I think, uh-huh. over what's real and what's fake yes. throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, like, well, like like that scene in the forest where he's tied up, and it pans right. around. And, as it slowly and then it's his fucking skeleton! It's his skeleton! I mean, also, God, liter- that shit made me lose my mind. It oh. literally, the, the whole movie literally could be him just hallucinating as he's, di- as he's starving to death. Yep. I don't think he, I don't think that that is the interpretation I go with, but that is very much something that could, that, that, that could be there. He could, also, he could be Owl Creek bridging the entire fucking thing. Oh, yeah. Also, that shot is just super well done, because it's one long, continuous tracking rotation but it but also as it goes around the seasons change can we talk about the costuming because those crowns were my favorite thing like the halo crowns were yeah perfection like yeah i don't know if for whatever reason um i ever get to become a monarch i'm just like throwing out the the old things we're we're, we're doing halo crowns from the from we're doing halo crowns we're doing Halo crowds. We're right. doing Halo. It's uh, it's all Halo all the way down, baby. It's true. It's true.
But yeah, yeah no. I, no I, the costuming is... Oh, you go on. I know people are going to have, you know, their opinions and like, it was fine, but like, holy shit, if you have to take away at least some positive things from this movie, it's the score. Because mm. mm-hmm. I've been listening to that score on repeat since I saw this fucking movie. Fucking strong. Uh, the cinematography and the costuming. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. This film is amazingly technically well done. Yes. Patel Patel knocks it out of the park um, with his almost constant oh god, what have I gotten myself into look. Yeah, he's really good in it. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he's, his acting is great. He's also so handsome. Uh, and, so hot Dev Patel summer, baby. Yeah, and you know what? I do think that the not just his casting, but the way it was done and the type yeah, of Yeah, actually, Vera, really that's... I was gonna say, they did such a wonderful job with the casting, both in terms of talent and, like, making a widely diverse cast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can only imagine how pissed off the man babies are on Reddit and Twitter about it. See, what I liked about it is that this was done as a very... This was done as, like, a serious Arthurian... Mm -hmm. um, Arthurian story that happened to have cast an actor of color in the main role and and have characters... And and people aren't aren't betting an eye. And I think that that, in many ways, also has historical... Relevant because you know, like the med- medieval times and the ancients did not have a similar conception of race that we do. It's not as if they, yeah. they didn't see it. It's just like you know, they found less than support. Like you know, that mm-hmm. red hair would have, but for for a number of cultures, is far more alarming than black skin. Um, so it's a uh, yeah. So I and I thought that that was just like marvelous to cast him and to just cast him in a serious way, and also for it to just like not be something. That way, that, that was like just like he is a part of this movie. He deserves to be able to act in this as much as anybody else. And we're and dramaturg and dramaturgically, you don't have to suspend your dose of belief. Deb right. Patel is Gawain's nephew. Deb De Patel is Gawain. He is the nephew of Arthur. He is in this court. Um, move uh, like you know, enjoy the story. So that was that was really fucking cool to me. Yeah, it's also really nice uh, having an Arthurian tale like this that is a bit more I kind of want to say grounded mm. you know it's not It's you know, this isn't blood and chrome thank god god thank fuck right so it's, it, it's nice having it be this kind of semi grounded like not it's not overly fanciful. Mm-hmm. It's it's still got that sort of like it's still kind of got that little bit of like fairy taleness to it. But it doesn't go like ham. So Can I just want to point out real quick in terms of the fairy taleness? Those giants. That noise they make is so fucking haunting. Oh god. Like it yeah. comes up in their track in the score and it gives me goosebumps every time I fucking hear it. Mm. No, I I agree. Uh so also here's a question in terms of artistic interpretation. Um the fox 
Do we think the fox is also is the woman who he marries in the false epilogue? Oh. Because, like, I saw, like, the red-haired bride, and I was like, it's the fox! Holy shit! And when, oh, when, I, when I didn't I think it was a fake-out, I was thinking, holy shoot, the fox is a woman! He's marrying her! Holy I shit! Got ma- you know what, now that you say that, could it also be Lady Winifred? It could be. It I just thought it was be. a fox that got possessed with some, oh. you know, with... <laughs> So actually, by like just some random spirit or something, yeah. So so actually, getting back to that, uh, the fact that Saint Winifred makes an appearance actually sets this in a actual location. Oh oh. Uh, Winifred is one of the patron saints of Wales. Well, isn't uh, wasn't King Arthur's court supposed to be in Wales? Or no? no I I don't, I don't think so. Or maybe it's just I'm getting confused with Guinevere being like a very connected with Wales. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Saint Winifred is um, is one of the patron saints of Wales, and uh, I know that because she act she actually features very prominently in a bunch in a uh, some of the Brother Catfile mysteries by. Oh, nice. Um, oh. Uh, oh God. Um. I believe her original appearance is uh, in a morbid taste for bones, which actually has to do with her grave. Oh, I read that. that I read that. Is an amazing title. Um. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to be like, "Oh, hey, I know, th- I know that saint. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna cause a whole bunch of tr- your bones are gonna cause a whole bunch of trouble in like four hundred years." Um, I don't know, on the subject of the fox, on the subject of the big giants with their creepy voices and sounds that they make, um, I'm not sure who inspired who between the poem and the game and this movie, but I was actually getting, like, big Zelda Majora's Mask vibes from, like, a lot of this movie. Oh. Um, That's interesting. The giants were very much put in that same sort of backdrop as the giants from the Majora's Mask game. There's a lot of elements of foxes throughout the game. Mm-hmm. You know, even right after this happens, it turns upside down. I was thinking about it, and then, like, the camera turns upside down. I was like, oh, like the, you know, clock tower temple upside down or something. Oh, I don't my know. God. No, wait, that's <laughs> fucking cool. And I was just like, I, I'm probably just reading, like, way into it. Like, but I don't know. Maybe maybe there was, like, some inspiration back and forth somewhere. Maybe that's, I don't know. It's just funny. I mean, that's certainly. No, I love that. That's that, that. That's also really cool. Um, so something that I also really appreciate is: Has anyone here seen The King? Mm-mm. So it's no. a movie with Timothy Chal with Timothy Chalamet, and it's like a loose uh, retelling of Henry the Second. It's on Netflix. It's pretty good. Um, oh. The beginning is kind of better than the ending, but uh, but it's still solid. And what I like about it is is that the King has a uh, Joel Edgerton playing Falstaff. Uh, and between this and that, I, I really think that Joel Edgerton, the guy who was like in Terminator Genesis, has like, I love that he has like decided that my career is I'm going to do weird character acting projects, which I have, which I have a decent amount of control over. So she's like, good for you, Joel Edgerton. You, 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 you uh, I, I, I support this um, quite a bit. 
but yeah, I so I, I I thought his performance was was really was really excellent um, and and uh, and quite good. Uh, although I, I'll also say that uh, I'll also say that it was a uh, say them that like you know it also worked. Uh, I mean, at least Vic Ander, we should also talk about her too because she was in the two roles was like totally unrecognizable and interesting and sexy and disturbing all rolled up into one yeah i was i'd also like to say uh so this is probably the first so i went ahead and saw it ahead of time um it is now on video on demand but when i went to see it it was not um so this was actually the first time I went to a theater to see a movie Whoa, in almost two years. what a fucking movie to see, dude! <laughs> Mine was Pig. <laughs> Which I still want to see so bad. God, again. Pig is so good! And apparently now it's on um, VOD as well, so I kind of want to go check it out. Everybody needs to go see Pig, it's yeah. really fucking good. I heard it was like, I heard Pig was like shot in no time at all. Um, that is basically, really? that they had to do everything in one take. Uh uh, but huh. but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to go go watch it since I I too I love Nicolas Cage in in his uh in his weird uh, in his weird arts film days like I'm glad Mandy and yes yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that he's settled like this is where he belongs. No, it really fucking is. It Mandy really was like the start of this shit for me, honestly, and fucking uh color out of space yeah it was i think what it was is that what i've heard is that like uh nicholas cage bought a lot of property on a whim and then he needed to pay off a lot of debts so i think he was just like working really hard and i think he's (laughs) probably in a better financial situation now so he can just you know take the weird shit i mean i think i personally think the goal of any actor should be uh to get to the same place as bill murray because Bill Murray, he he made his movies, he got paid, and then he was really smart with his money, so now he doesn't have to make movies. To you know, to you know, to live or feed a massive cocaine addiction or what have you, he can be in the movies he wants to be in and make the movies he wants to make. I mean, for me, it's interesting. I mean, and this is also say this is someone who like. I really don't agree with his politics that much, uh, but um, I will say that uh, I very much appreciate uh, Clint Eastwood in terms of how he's gone from an actor to a creator who, well into his old age, is still producing mm-hmm. producing good work. Uh, I mean, I mean, Gran Torino is like what from eighty. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Gran Torino's amazing. Yeah, it's movie hits me. I, I there are a few movies where like I'll go and just like watch clips of it sometime. But sometimes I'll just be like, I just want to watch a few scenes of Walter Sobchak. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of Clint Eastwood and relating that to something else we are doing, did you know that Clint Eastwood is the primary inspiration for Jotaro from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? No, but that all makes entire sense. Yep. And in fact, Jotaro's signature like pointing pose He's inspired by Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry. <laughs> That's awesome. That is that is really great. Uh, okay, so we danced around it, but let's uh, let's let's just like say the important thing for this podcast. 
I did not go into this movie theater expecting to see Dev Patel's come, but I did. <laughs> and by Dev Patel's like come, I mean corn syrup almost like 99.99999%. But it was still just not something I'm expecting in a, like an A24 film. But like, okay, we're in this weird pseudo hand job, And then it's just like, you are no night. Death Patel's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> baby, you are no knight. What did, what did technically? That's really, that's really his come. I didn't, did you see that interview? <laughs> no, I did I'm not. Just, Wait, just, really? Just, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, what yeah, that, yeah, you what have I was going to fucking lose my marbles, bro. <laughs> Wouldn't that technically be a belt job? <laughs> uh, I think for the amount on belt and hand, it was most definitely out of the out of the trousers. This is... Uh, that's a very interesting scene for yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I believe I believe my reaction this morning. Does your mom jerk you off sometimes? <laughs> What's that? Me. Nothing. <laughs> no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I mean, that... <laughs> Dan. I want to hear about your reaction when you saw that scene this morning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I want so. I watched this movie this morning before work. So I was, I got up early and I actually, I think I started watching at like seven 30 in the morning or something. And like the scene happened and I was just, my reaction was just, all right, that's come. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's come. And we're just, uh, yeah. I, um, that's come baby. I, I quickly want to say uh, just uh, quick thoughts on my end uh, on the movie as a whole. I thought the um, overall, I, I liked the movie. I thought the first third was incredible. Like mm. just amazing. Um, I, yeah. thought the last, I thought the last third was good, but it almost felt a little rushed to me, especially. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. what made me upset about that is I didn't love the middle third. I didn't like as much the different thing. Like, the different types of things that were happening um, with the different, you know, with Winifred and the kids and all that other stuff. I, I don't know that the movie sort of lost me in this, in the second half a little bit. Um, but this movie reminded me so, so much from a flow perspective to his other work, um, a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Yes. I haven't seen a ghost story. Um as far as the flow of it. And I wasn't, I, I will say I did, I was really disappointed by a ghost story. I did like, I did enjoy this movie and I did like this movie and I would absolutely recommend this movie, but it did have like some of the same like beats and like flow as a ghost story. And I was just like playing that through in my head as it was, as it was happening with like the beginning was just out of this world and then kind of slows down and the end is weird and fast. <laughs> it's like the same, <laughs> but if you like this, if you check this movie out and you like it, I and you haven't seen a ghost story, I would recommend seeing a ghost story, too. Nice. Anyway, that's my two cents on the movie. Um. So quick, uh, do we want to touch on the fact that uh, Saint Winifred is chosen for, for this tale uh, specifically because she is another person who has lost her head? Yes. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. And then he retrieves uh, her... her head. Yes, and her whole, her uh, the original like canonization is uh, her surviving ha- being decapitated. Oh wow! In the original, or like the, the original like canon, actual canonization, um, 
of saying Winifred is that her piety and purity basically God intervenes and is like, yeah, no, that asshole who cut off your head, yeah, that 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 doesn't count. You're good. Um, what was I going to say? I was just going to say something, and I totally lost track of thought. I don't know. I'm going to shut up. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I mean, I think overall, again, like this is, I think this is a very pretty movie. Uh, I can see how it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, oh, no. Like, I think my partner was definitely, de- definitely not into it, but uh, I, I did really enjoy it. And again, after that initial uh, whiplash, I think I had a number of people who have liked it. Um, it's really something, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And I do definitely want to watch it again. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, just uh, get, and just, yeah, and, and enjoy it. Uh, I think it's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of layers here. That's for sure. It's an onion. Snowing in. Layers. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, donkey. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm just like, all right, where's the YouTube poop that puts Shrek in place of the Green Knight? Oh, no. Hey, 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 hey. What about a YouTube thing which puts Skull Knight in place of the Green Knight? Skull Knight! <laughs> that slap. I watched that. I watched that, too. Is, is there a fan theory or a world where the movie is... Because it's pretty, well, I guess it's not really realistic because the Green Knight gets cut off and then picks it up and walks away. But is there a world where, when, when right the moment that he trips on those mushrooms, like the rest of the movie is just a just a fever dream and it's not actually? Oh, real? I'm sure. I, I'm sure there's probably a cut that, like, in some vault somewhere or on some editing room floor where that is the case. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the question I was going to ask. Does the, was I just like, was it just too early? Like, does it explain how the axe ends up at Winifred's house? Mm, no, no, it doesn't. Okay, cool. No, it does not. It's fine. I'm just asking. I, I, Nothing I think, is explained. Yeah, I, I think so. You could take that at, to mean um, that giving it back to him so that he can complete his quest was his reward. Ah, uh, right. or. For helping Winifred. For helping for Winifred. Helping her, yeah. And recovering her, her skull. Right. Um, that's one interpretation of that's... it. I like that one. It's good enough for me. That that his his deed, his his struggle to do that rewards him with <laughs> you know, some reward. Hey, cool, here's what you need. Go meet your death again. Right. <laughs> right. I do also want to talk about um so, so Barra, my but my good buddy Barra over here, has finally embarked on his first read through of Berserk. Yes. And wait, 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 wait! I just want to make sure before we. No, no, this is further. not going to turn into a Berserk cast. Oh, okay, okay. Right. No, no. Then I will. This pause. is this is talking about thematic elements around destiny and fate. <laughs> okay. Um. So my my buddy Barrow here is finally doing his first read through of Berserk, and one of the primary themes in Berserk is fate is not a good thing for our protagonist. And this movie, this movie and this story, because that's something that we've kind of lost in recent, in like the last like sixty years or so. In the old days, going to meet your fate 
meant death. That, that's why when we say someone met his fate, it means he died. Th- this story, much like much like Berserk, um, because it is an old tale, and it's really refreshing seeing more of this brought forward, is again that same sort of idea that you are going to meet your fate, going to meet your destiny, going to meet your your weird, and it is not a good thing. <laughs> necessarily these days I think I think we've become far too used to the idea of destiny or a person's destiny meaning you attaining a, either being a better version of yourself or a truer version of yourself mm. to overcome right and that got me thinking about so I was thinking about that I'm like when was the last time I saw something like that in a more contemporary story? And you know what came to mind? The original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Namely Luke Skywalker. Right. Um, and I found this, this great, uh, great YouTube video that talks about this way more in-depth, and I just want to shout it out. Um, let's see if I can't. Here, you, you guys may have, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Well, <laughs> here's, what, here's what we'll do. You send me the link when you find it, now or after, and I can include it in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I mean, I think in terms of, like, fate and stuff, like, what was interesting to me with this was is that... Um, like, I don't necessarily feel like, you know, in Berserk, it's definitely about, like, and Star Wars, for that matter, it's definitely, like, a modern thing of just, like, fighting against fate and destiny. Whereas the, what I thought was cool about this is that even though it had a different focus and and lesson than the original poem, I think it was still very much along the lines of, like, you know, it doesn't matter what your personal preferences or fears are. It's important to meet your obligations under, uh, to to meet your obligations as an adult and as a person, and so like I felt like this was less about like him having problems with like the idea of fate in general, and more of just being like you know continuously fucking up, you know his expectations as a knight, as a noble, as a future king, and then the lesson was when he actually embraced his fate it was like I mean he didn't know if he was gonna die or not, but it's like. You know, this is the game. I am going to play by the rules of the game, and I'm going to be an adult, and I'm going to be actually worthy of, of you know, of my word. It'd be like toss sash. Now I'm ready. That to me was like very much kind of an embrace rather than a rebelling against um, the idea that you know you you have obligations in life. If it does that make sense? Hundred percent. That's that was going through my head. I, I, I it's sort of along the lines of what you said earlier. I think, but it, to me, it's like the word is like accountability almost. Like, yeah. Like, you know, learn. It's it's sort of about growing up and learning to become accountable for your actions, and the things that you do have equal and opposite reactions. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, to me, that's a lot of what the flash forward was. Like, this is what your life will be. Should you continue down this path? If you, if you, wimp out. If you cheat the, the game, right? 
If you squander this opportunity, as, your, as his mother said. Right. So I found Do the video that I was referencing. Okay. Uh, it is, the title of the video is The Importance of Luke Skywalker. And it is a video posted by the channel So Uncivilized. Interesting. Uh, for anyone who wants to see kind of a kind of a really neat breakdown of for the old style of Destiny, mm. it's, I definitely give, recommend give that a quick watch. Mm. Interesting. No, I mean, and, and I do think it's for that that the uh, that the Star Wars narrative, and of course, it's incredibly American to do this um, because we do not like the idea of uh, which is fine. You know, I'm American as well, but I'm just like you no, know, it's. Uh, we don't like the idea that we don't have free will or control over our fates or there are things beyond ourselves that will, you know, ultimately decide things for us. And Star Wars is very much, you know, that. It's just like, you know, that, that yes, you can you can change your fate. You can change the fate of somebody uh, uh, of somebody you love. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and that's, and, you know, I, I haven't finished Berserk, but that's definitely where that's also leaning into I'll be from a far, far darker place. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Uh, and it's great. It's uh, those stories are are absolutely excellent. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 interesting talking about fate and destiny, and obligation and you know like the different stories that you can tell with that because you know they're they're powerful powerful things. And kudos to the Green Knight for kind of taking an old school look at it. That you know it's mm-hmm. actually important. Um, that you know that, uh, that your word and uh, and how you conduct yourself in your life has consequences because you know. We like to think that everything is starting over new, etc. Um, and yes, we always do have the ability to begin again, but our actions will always have consequences, and that's I, a very I, good, good, th- good lesson this had. I would like to thank this nine hundred year old poem for having an old school look at things. <laughs> <laughs> I was referring to the movie adaptation, but, but yes. <laughs> Allie, do you have any final thoughts? Please go night. see this movie. I want more weird things to exist yes. in this world. Just, I'm really sad. I want to go see so many weird movies and just please support them. I know some people are like kind of sick of A24's stuff and which, you know, not all of it's a banger, but this is a fucking banger. Like, for the love of God. Also, it's like, it's one of those things where he, I know he's done other stuff besides Slumdog Millionaire, but it's so fucking cool to see Dev Patel's trajectory from that to this. Yeah. Like, you look back at him in Slumdog, and he's such a baby face. <laughs> he's such a precious little baby face. And now you look at him and you go, this guy fucks. <laughs> There's a reason we're calling it the hot Dev Patel summer this year of 2021. This guy fucks. <laughs> Please, like, my God! Who knew that I needed salt and pepper Dev Patel in my life? Damn. <laughs> Barrett, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, yeah, no. Dev Patel is an excellent talent. People should cast him in more things. Uh, and yeah, he totally has. He has sexy leading man capabilities, and. What was also kind of cool, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, or just this is how Dev Patel is built, but I appreciated that um, physically he kind of reminded me of Errol Flynn and Clark Gable and like leading men from like the 1930s and such, where like, you know, like, you know, where you had things like, you know, the adventures of Robin Hood and such, you know, other medieval stuff, and that, you know, he's 
He's athletic. He look he looks athletic, but he's not built. He doesn't look like mm-hmm. he's in a gym. He looks uh, yeah. He looks like in many ways. I think what I ima- would imagine uh, a version of that person would be uh, of of someone from that fantastical time would be you know with better dental care uh, because obviously they all have good dental care because there's only so much you suspend your disbelief. <laughs> So, Vera's closing thought is thank God for modern dental dental care. Wonderful. It's a real deal, guys. Mm-hmm. Saves you a lot of pain and suffering. Tristan, any final thoughts? Oh, I want more movies I can dissect and feel smart about. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I'll, I'll go the other way and say I just want more movies that are like, like, you can dissect this movie, which is nice, but it's like you can also just like... Enjoy it? it honestly, you know what? And I... Is this what is the lighthouse A twenty four as well? Is it? Uh, I don't know actually. Because it's the same kind of thing where it's like you can just sort of sit back and enjoy it for what it is. You don't have to like sit there and dissect it, but you can if you want. Like, uh, which I think is really nice. So yes, I want A twenty four was the distributor and the production company for the lighthouse. Yeah. Well done, A twenty (laughs) four. You are making this podcast all of its non-existent money. Woo! Yay! When do I get my free internet points? Late. <laughs> um, uh, I'll wrap things up by promoting the channel. So, thanks. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to listen to our other episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all places you can find you know your usual podcast selection also as a reminder we are still doing an ongoing uh jojo's bizarre adventure contest we need to come up with a stand for daniel so if you wanted to be entered into a chance to win a limited edition season one blu-ray head on over to spoilermedia.net slash jojo's come up with a cool stand idea for dan stan dan stan Arctic monkeys. <laughs> Please do. We need more Please entries. Do. We do. Well, thanks for promoting that. Uh, oh, and you can also find like... more episodes of yep. our podcast on our website, which is spoilermedia.net. All right. Well, we did it. We did it, everyone. Woo! Woo! We, 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 beat the, we beat the clock, and we did it. <laughs> In a, with a good job. <laughs> I can't, can't think right and we now. did it our way. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Um, so, appreciate it. Everyone, have a good rest of your day. Bye I'm gonna
Yeah. <laughs>